right, folks, welcome on back to another episode of the Ghostliest Show Around, with the ghostliest host around, myself and Ray. We're doing it, mostly ghostly, bringing it to you. Um, Ray, how you doing over there? Not too bad, how about you? Not too bad, not too bad. Feel all right, you know what I mean? Um, today's episode, we're going to kind of get into what it feels like to not be okay. You know, the ultimate not be okay, which is that big death, that big death daddy, that big D-bomb, you know what I mean? We've uh, we've dabbled a little bit in this. Uh, the first season, there's a couple episodes uh, dealing with death. You know, when death consumes uh, is one of the fan favorites that it talks about death and what exactly happens. I think we dive a little bit more into the spiritual side. But uh, in today's episode... We're going to dive into kind of the physical, uh, the things to look for. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> if you feel any of these symptoms coming on, you need to figure something out quick. Um, but it's one of those things, and it was uh, very interesting. And these are the episodes that kind of get to me a little bit, the death ones. As interesting as they are, you are still talking about the final moments and stuff. And uh, certain things I almost feel like you want to be surprised by. You know what I mean? You don't want to kind of know about them until you, you, you get to live them out or die them out. Um, like, you know, what, what, you know, if, if you're going to, if pains and, and weird things, you know, like I could very easily happily, I could go through life a happier person if I never knew what happened to your body after you died. You know what I mean? I could be a happier dude probably, but unfortunately I know these things, you know? So, uh, with that being said, let's, uh, let's take a stroll. Let's take a stroll. I think that we're going to try and this episode is not going to be as lengthy as our past episodes. We're trying something new with y'all, um, giving you a little, a quick fix type situation. But, you know, e- you know, even though death is a universal experience, you know, we don't know a whole lot about what it actually feels like to die. And what happens to your body and mind throughout the transition of being alive to being dead. You know, the good news is that there's some research out there um, to, to give us an idea and learn about, you know, what exactly goes on. And hopefully uh, it'll make this, this, uh, this transitional period a little less horrifying and scary for some people. Because, you know, that's another part of life, as they say. And uh, it's an unfortunate time, but it's just like... A, you know, I feel me and Ray both feel you. You you eventually see the folks you want to see again, and uh, that isn't as horrifying as it uh, looks looks on paper. You know what I mean? There can be a beauty in death. So, with that being said, let's pop off in. You know, dying. You know, for the most part, you know they say it's peace, peaceful. Which I don't know. They also say drowning's peaceful too, Ray. And I don't really know exactly how peaceful drowning can be when you're suffocating it out. They go, you know, when you were in the womb, you were in, you were in that fluid, which almost sounds like a reasonable argument. And uh, but then once you start breathing air, it's like the taxes, like paying taxes. Once you start breathing air, you no longer can go back to breathing water. You know what I mean? Well. Um, yeah. When I when I was uh, younger, there was a time where I ended up in the water, and I ended up going down. I had to be pulled, and I had to be uh, by. Fortunately, they pumped my lungs out and stuff, and I was able uh, to continue going. Obviously, uh, 
But those first few moments while I was going down and couldn't breathe, holding my breath and then sucking in water, psychologically, that was not fun and that was not a good feeling. Yeah, there's a piece there's a piece that I think will come with death which we call unconsciousness. I think that's called peace, you know what I mean? But it, <laughs> until you get until you get to that point of unconsciousness, I don't think it's too peaceful. You know what I mean? I think it's uh I think a lot of thought of things, your mind and your body are wondering uh, and your soul wondering what's going on and they're frantically kind of uh trying to keep the machine moving. Um you know, let, let's assume that you're going from natural causes and that you're on your way out, right? First, it's important to know that there's, there isn't a precise death moment. You know what I mean? There isn't a moment of nobody knows when you actually clock out because it's a process. You know, dying is a process. And it's one where there are a lot of gray areas because, as you know, nobody fully is aware of what's going down until the big moment that they take. And uh, there hasn't been any pen pal letters coming from the other side or any letters letting people know exactly what's going on. All the info is word of mouth of what goes on. There's nothing really in writing, unfortunately, unless you consider the Bible and other religious scriptures and such. Uh, But that being said, we can legally define death in two stages. Right now, your body is gradually approaching what's known as clinical death which occurs when your heartbeat, breathing, and circulation stop. But your body's cells are still alive after that for the next four to six minutes until biological death um, sets in. At that point, your brain cells have begun to die, uh, and resuscitation is impossible. So the clinical death, are they trying to say that every because everybody's dying each second that they're alive, that's clinical death? Are we talking, we're probably roaming up on uh oh, all right i answered my own question that's when everything stops but you're still kicking it i think that's when you're when you give up but your body's still kicking for you at that point well t- yeah it takes a while for the body to shut down it's kind of con- considered something like if you got a car you turn it off the engine still it may not be running but it's still holding on to the heat it's still warm so yeah, it takes, those, it takes a while for that engine to, engine to cool down. It takes a while for the body to, to shut down. To bring darkness into it real quick uh, with suicide. They say like with, when people take like sleeping pills or a lot of pills to kill themselves off, even when they, once they go out, out of consciousness, they say you can still be alive for like 12 hours. It is just slowly loading on like that 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 heaviness that eventually takes you just slowly loads on over that until you eventually, you know, you can't breathe and everything shuts down. Um, and to go into the, another, the other dark thing was to go into, you know, there is, we know this guy named Buddy Buttafuoco will say, and he, he used to watch a lot of these horrific videos of, of death and faces of death and crazy wiki live leaks, uh, suicide videos and all that fun family friendly stuff. And he told me, you know, when, when somebody would do like a hanging, so to speak, there's always, there's like a, there, the body panics at the last, like after the official hanging, when they go down and it's like the pop, you know, when you hang yourself, not to get too morbid, you know, if you're lucky, you die, your neck breaks and you die. The unlucky part is when your neck doesn't break and you hang there and suffocate, which to go back to the swimming and water thing, suffocation is not a way, uh, suffocation, no breathing, 
this is your last resort, my friend. Um, but the body still kicks and it's, I know there's nerves and stuff, but it's very weird. Um, in these videos, we'll say that the, the body's almost the hand, the arms will reach up towards the noose, which is wild. Um, and it's like, and they scrape in certain situations, they'll scrape to try and save themselves because I, I've said this before, even with the, the most depressed of people, it's like when you're in that funk and like you want it, you, 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 you're like, Hey, I want to be, I don't want to be here anymore. You know what I mean? I think no matter how funky of a funk you can get in, I think when you're at that moment and you're really facing it, like at when, when, whether you're bleeding out or whether you're choking out or whether whatever, but you've already took that, that, that fateful step of no return. I do think that there is a moment. I do think that regret sets in before you actually pass out, which I think that regret plays into, you know, when certain people will say that when somebody commits suicide, that it's like, you know, you, they go to a hell, you know what I mean? Or they are, they don't have peace that they're still tortured in death. You know what I mean? I feel that vibe is because their moments, it's the panic and the regret of those last moments that they get caught in. You know what I mean? Um, sure. There's plenty of people that, smile at the camera when they blow their brains out and no regret. Um, but I think a lot of people, well, they say suicide dude is hor- horrific. And it's just one of those things where, you know, it catches people at a dark, dark place. And it's one of those, what's that? The te- it's a temp, uh, permanent solution to a temporary problem type deal. Yeah. And I do believe that, you know what I mean? And it catches people in a dark place where they just feel hopeless and they do that. And, um, yeah, very dark stuff. So to get back into the more positive light of biological death here, um, it occurs at that point when your brain cells have gone kaplooey. Uh, and re- uh, res- resurrection, resurrection and resuscitation is uh, unavailable to attain. Um, you know, I thought it was more than a couple of minutes. I know after a, after a certain amount of minutes of not getting oxygen to your brain, I believe your brain stops working, but you can still be a, your heart's the main thing, but your brain does tell your heart to pump. You know, there's all the most, you got your brain and your heart are, and you're probably like your, your, your liver and stuff. Um, are some of your most important organs or body parts. Um, and those are the things that don't, once one of them goes down, it's bad news. Um, and again, they don't want to, they don't want to die. Uh, they hold on. It was what's kind of the sad and tragic is that your body holds on even when people let go. That's kind of like a sad thing. But um, you know, oh, you know. So we now we now know that death means what death means legally with those two things. But let's not get too ahead of ourselves. You know what I mean? Let's talk a little bit about how it feels, which is the bread and butter of this episode. You know, uh, death styles of the deceased and ghostly is how we're going to go with this one. So according to uh, James Hellenbeck, MD, close friend of the show, uh, he's a palliative care specialist at Stanford University. He says, your last few days on Earth are what's known as the active dying phase. <coughs> start, uh, you rapidly start to lose your natural urges in most of your senses. Hollenbeck says things start to go in this order. Now we're all about to get horrified because this is kind of like when you find a bump or something on your, you find a pimple on your arm and you look on Google and it says you're going to be dead in three hours. 
we're about to go into that territory right here. <laughs> Where after I say this list, everybody will be like, I ah, shit, I feel this. I feel this. Uh, so viewer discretion advised. Listener discretion advised. All right. And the list of order goes as so. Number one, you stop being hungry. So your body, you lose your appetite when you feel death lurking. You know, it makes sense. You know what I mean? Um, you got more things on your mind uh, when, when, you know, so I, I definitely see stop being hungry. Um, you know, if a sad, you know, being sad or whatever, you people have to lose their appetite over being sad or angry or whatever. Definitely knowing your, 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 your mind. And I feel like your mind and body knows before, you know, um, them knowing these things, these things are about to happen. They, you know, I'd lose my appetite too. If I knew my, my body was about to go down. Um, next up, you stop being thirsty. You know what I mean? So you're now, um, no eating or drinking, which right there is a big problem for you. You know what I mean? You stop being able to speak. Yeah, that would be a problem. That would be problematic. I think this is more like when you're in the hospital bed. This is like when you're about to desire in the hospital bed. Not so much, you know, you're coming out of that 7-Eleven at 3.30 and get shot in the chest because somebody wanted to steal a pack of gum or something. You know what I mean? Um, being able to speak, that yeah, that's trouble. You stop being able to see. Very problematic. Um, one of the most realistic that there was a, when I was a kid, I seen a death in a movie. I don't know what movie it was, but it always struck out to me. Um, there was a dude that got shot in the head and he had a bloody head and he was laying on the, maybe it was a real life video. I don't know. Maybe that's why it stuck with me. And he had a bloody head and he just kept going as he was dying. He just kept going. I can't see, I can hear you, but I can't see anything. Um, so I'm with that. I hear that. And if you can't see, Brother, you ain't going to be able to hear either. Hear no evil, see no evil. Number five is you stop being able to hear. You know what I mean? Which is horrifying. You, it's bringing you right to that darkness. You know what I mean? Rather that silence, that, 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 that hell that nobody wants to be. Left in the, the, the cold, dark silence and blackness by themselves. Um, and number six, the big one. You stop being able to feel touch. Uh, so when nobody's, when if somebody touches you and you can't, these are all signs of being a dead. Uh, when you stop breathing, that should be on here too, probably. When you stop breathing, you're about to be dead. You know what I mean? That's my, that's my take on it. But stop being able to feel touch is an interesting one. Um, what's your take on this list, Ray? You got anything for it? I'd agree with most of it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Partly, uh, well, two reasons. One is I worked for a while at a nursing home and I worked in the, uh, I covered in the hospice unit. And that's where people go to die. They are in that unit. They know they're going to die. And a lot of what he said as far as loss of appetite, interest, being non-responsive to a lot of things that we usually take for granted or do every day or want, uh, you would see that in people. But do you... Um, they knew what was coming. Would you, wouldn't you consider that more of a depression though? I almost look at that. Like that's kind of the depression of knowing the end's coming. Uh, it could be, I've seen it also. Um, I have been, as far as people hospitalized go, see one, two, three, four, 
I think five people I've known that I've been at their deathbed. Uh, some of them knew for a while ahead of time that it was coming. Others didn't. And I'd say that, uh, that list is pretty good as far as, uh, what they seem to, what the body seemed to lose over time. Um, I'll also have to say from my own experience, when I had a severe allergic reaction, my lungs filled up and my throat closed down. Yeah. I entered a phase of, um, I couldn't feel anything, but before that, I felt uh, cold. Did you go and into that, panic? What? Did you start to panic as you felt that happening? I, I would be freaking out. Initially, I started panicking, and then all of a sudden, I was more fascinated than panicking. Really? And it was, I started to feel cold, but when the cold went away, I had a lack of sensation. Now, if someone had touched me, I probably wouldn't have known it. And I was, I was being transported to the hospital. But, um, the odd thing is that I could not feel anything. Um, even if you're not using it, you somewhere your brain knows you have a foot or a toe. Yeah. I could, I couldn't tell whether I had legs. I couldn't tell there was an absence there. It was almost a thing. The absence almost became its own thing. The absence of it. Um, that was there, uh, lost sight lost hearing all of these things took time over the 15 20 minutes or so before i got treatment and uh yeah when i arrived they declared me dead and they had to revive me but most of those steps i went through in the short term uh while waiting for an ambulance in the ambulance and going into the uh hospital well actually before going into the hospital I went through all that uh, loss of touch, loss of sensation, loss of sight, loss of sound. Those things came in that period of time. Um, I've also seen it, like I said, in hospice and, and other people uh, being there when they passed, watching different parts of them shut down. Mm. And uh, I think that also, if let let's, I would probably say that people who are very much aware of themselves. If there is a serious illness and there is something going on and they've accepted it, <coughs> then as these things come up, it doesn't bother them. They may have given themselves over to it. Yeah. Uh, stopped, stopped eating. I knew one in one individual that, uh, and some people might say, Oh, it probably contributed to it, but, they basically had no way of coming back from what, from their illness and it was advanced and they would kind of play it eating, but show no real interest in it. Mm. And they did that with a lot of little things, what they did do. And, uh, it's a per one of the few people in my life that I actually admire. Uh, what he did was that when there were loved ones around, he'd smile or wink or, or uh, try and make a little joke. So when everybody else was going crazy, you knew he accepted what was happening, mm. was letting it happen, and spending his last, and it ended up being maybe two, three days, his last hours uh, or last days, trying to comfort people around him. He saw it coming. Everything started to go, and his whole objective was to uh, make it comfortable for people around him. But he knew, 
as the body started to shut down in certain ways. And to me, that's courage when you're thinking of, while you're dying, you're thinking of someone else mm. and their well-being. For sure. I'd seen that a little, a little bit in the hospice, too. There were some people that accepted where they were and family would come, and they would spend most of their time trying to cheer up or at least calm down the family while the family was going crazy. Yeah. You think that it's also a, a tactic to try and keep their mind off of the overall what's going to happen by, you know, comforting their family? Even though they're comforting their family about it, it still can they can still kind of um, – um, take themselves out of it, I think, maybe a little bit. I don't think so. I no. think it's, I think it is a full acceptance. Um, yeah. The guy I, I told you about over the course of a few days, I was there when he actually passed in the hospital and the family was around there and they were all kind of um, really upset. And he made a motion with his arm and took one's hand, squeezed it, kind of winked and smiled. And just kind of nodded like it was okay. And that was for them. He could have yeah. just laid back and, get, and given up at any second, more or less. Yeah. But he took, he took his, some of his last efforts were to smile at people and look at them and kind of just nod a little bit or move his hand so someone would take it and try and squeeze it. And that, he knew where he was going. And that was comforting others. Was he a spiritual guy as well? Or just. I'd say just a good guy to the extreme. Yeah. Good hearted guy. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's good. Rest in peace. Uh, it's good to hear stories like that. of good people. Um, we have some other side effects as well. And those, uh, those other side effects include shortness of breath, which is one of those things, you, you know, that's, that always comes before, you know, it's part of your body going down. Um, depression, anxiety, extreme fatigue. You know what I mean? I, these are these are all part of it, you know. Uh, mental confusion, uh, likely due to lack of oxygen. You know, a lot of things can throw your mind off. People don't even realize it. Too much sugar, not enough sugar. McDonald's food, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, Chinese food, the, the the GHB or whatever is in that thing, whatever the the, chemi- the chemicals in there, like that stuff messes with your head. So yeah, for sure, confusion. Uh, a lot of the food people eat and, and things they drink can make them confused. They don't even realize it. But, of course, lack of oxygen. Um, constipation or incontinence and nausea. Um, basically, your brain is basi- is slowing uh, and sacrificing less c- critical functions in order to perpetuate your survival. So it's shutting thing. It's shutting thing. It's 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 the old scenario where they're in the submarine and it's going down, and they they, they block off different compartments and let them fill with water um, in order to save the rest of the ship. You know what I mean? Um, I'd have to, yeah. I'd have to say that there are two components of that shutting down. Um, right. One is you can't control because the body starts going on you. Mm-hmm. The other is that the personality or the oh trying to think of the right word for it willpower that's it willpower okay the willpower of the person like uh my father fought leukemia for 20 years yeah wow and well each time he started to go down then he bounced back and bounced back and uh it was a long battle yeah he did reach a point where um, it really looked like 
things were not going to go well again, we did manage to bring him home and the whole family get their chance to see him. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were parts of him that were shutting down slowly. But somehow, even though he was in that state, he lasted two weeks. He had been living in Florida. He lasted two weeks till we moved him back to the Northeast. Managed to see everybody, the family that was up here. And I remember visiting him and him whispering to me, I'm not going to win this one, am I? No. And I said, it's okay, it's okay to let go. Yeah. And uh, he just kind of like smiled and I said goodbye. I left and I got a call a little while later. He had passed. Yeah. But he, yes, things were shutting down. But I think as far as his willpower and what, they weren't something in his mind or his spirit. He, it wasn't going to shut down until he got to say goodbye and he had done what he wanted to do. Yeah. So that force inside you can prolong it, can slow it down, can keep you going to to achieve those last final things you want. And I also believe that once he accepted that, okay, this is it, boom, several hours later, he's gone. Yeah, you, you hear a lot about that, that the people holding on. You know what I mean? Now, in your opinion, what do you think that hold on? What do you think the feel of that hold on is? You think it's like a trying to stay awake hold on? Or what do you think that might feel like? I really think that it is. Uh, I'm not sure. But I would think that somewhere in a person's mind, it's like, no, not yet. Mm-hmm. And now maybe they pray and say, uh, you know, Lord, give me a few more hours or a few more days. Or maybe they just say to themselves, no, not yet. And that's kind of. In medicine, they have the placebo effect. People who get better when given a placebo. Mm. Well, it's part of the bo- the mind controlling the body and not letting it go that last step. Not letting it go until they're ready to go. And if that is saying goodbye to somebody or some, some something else they want to do, then uh, they have to finish that first. And the mind is a wonderful thing because it can heal you as well as destroy you. Yeah. Yeah, I have a, I, I have a, my personal belief that death creeps in a lot like heavy sleep. You know what I mean? Like when you, if anybody out there has ever had that weird feeling where they were just exhausted and they're, they're wherever they're at and they're just like, like dozing off and, you know, breaking back into it like that, that, that real heaviness of like that exhaustion heaviness where it's just like, you know, that the one that kills people driving, unfortunately, that one where it's just like you let your eyes close for two seconds and you're out. You know what I mean? Um, I think it's kind of like one of those things. But Well, I saw, I saw that a lot in hospice, the people going in and out yeah. and people, people like getting very weak and then coming back a little bit. But each time they came back for a shorter time or less animated yeah. as, as they were being dragged down, as they were slowly dying and, uh, Eventually, the death won. Mm, it gets us all in the end, unfortunately. Uh, some other side effects is your skin will begin to show signs of your demise. It'll get cold. It'll turn light bluish gray, alien like the like the aliens. Um, maybe we're maybe that's no 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 speculation, no alien speculation tie-ins in this episode. Um, and you might even see signs of mottling. Um, What's modeling? Modeling. M-O-T-T-L-I-N-G. I'm not sure. Yeah. The, um, 
maybe blood like blood maybe like blood coming to the surface because you know when when you, elderly folks when their hands you look at their hands and like the, they get they're real veiny and that you know they'll have like the purple blotches almost like the veins kind of blew up or not blew up but you know what i mean leaked a little bit under the skin they have that vibe like bruising you know what i mean you yeah. know the older folks will get that bruising like, like my grandmother unfortunately gets it uh the littlest thing will cause bruising so i think it might be something like that oh actually modeling is one of those things where you know it when you see it the skin is marbled with red and purple and it feels cold to the touch because the heart is no longer able to pump blood effectively to the extremities all right, we so we answered our own there. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a crazy thing, you know. You know, blood pressure. You know, blood pressure pressure is an interesting thing too. A lot of people have issues with blood pressure, you know, um, and that's huge. You know, getting the blood to the right parts of your body uh, through your brain and heart and all that good stuff is uh, uh, mucho important. Mucho important. You know what I mean? Um, the extremity, that's where you get, you know, diabetes and such, and, you know, and they'll get the good blood circulation. <clears throat> Things got to get cut off, which sucks. Now we're getting into even suckier territory of death. Um, after this, all this stuff happens, we move into more, more, more horrific stages, which is, a, you know, we're, we're getting into something that if anybody's ever been around somebody when they passed away, and I know Ray has, and they're going to be familiar with this sound because I've heard people talk about this that have no idea, that have witnessed things like this, but don't know any, no, they don't, they don't co-host shows like mostly ghostly. So they don't know any deeper than wh what it might be. But uh, soon you'll be too weak to cough or swallow. And at that point, your breathing will make a disturbing guttural sound in the back of your throat. That's called the death rattle right now. Death rattle just sounds horrifying. Just the just the the phrase death rattle is like horrifying. Um, and well, I think the death rattle is just that last gasp of air leaving your body. I think that's kind of. It, but it's but like uh, maybe you're trying to speak. Maybe you're trying to. You know, I I had a cousin that one of his job was collecting the bodies when older folks would die and bringing them to the morgue or whatever. And he said that when he, he thought that when you died, everybody died screaming because they were, ah, their mouth was open, but it's just because the slack jar, I think, I don't, you know what I mean? Or maybe the, oh, I think people are like in amazement of what they're seeing while they're going out. And then they, the, 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 the middle of the, ah, and then the dropping out leaves their mouth open. He thought it was, they went out screaming, which is like a, that, you know, that could upset people's nightmares right there, knowing that everybody goes out screaming. Um, but in the same sense of, of, of the slack jaw stuff and the death rattle, I think the death rattle is just kind of a, um, like that last, it could be, a, it could be trying to communicate or a help, or I think it's just that last, I think like you, like I said, your throat closes up and stuff, hard to swallow. I think it gets dry. I think it's just that last, uh, air working its way through a dry throat, unfortunately. You know what I mean? What do you think about that? No, I think, yeah, I, I agree. It's like the attempt to breathe. You may or may not be trying to say something, but uh, it won't work anymore. And as the throat closes, the sounds that come out, uh, what we would call not natural, and that's why we call it a death rattle. Yeah, you know, I've heard it sounding like choking, sounding like weird, like people. I've heard horrifying stories 
and it's loud. I really was like people been in other rooms and they just hear it, which makes me think why it would be like an attempt to yell or something. If you're doing your last breath, it'd be like a, like it's like done. But like, if you were trying to say something, I think it would, it would be, you know, but I don't know. I mean, that last breath your body's putting off is probably coming out with some oomph because it is the final one. You know what I mean? Uh, It's interesting that, uh, in the friends and family I've seen that have passed, um, no one did the death rattle. Oh, really? Yeah. That's good. I wouldn't, the death rattle, I think it's a matter of what you're, if you're afraid of dying and stuff. I think that that, a lot of that stuff plays into it where you're scared and you're like, ah, like maybe it is a, ah, or something. You know what I mean? Um, and the situations I've actually, now that I think about it, the situations that I heard about it was all, it wasn't like a natural, not now. It wasn't like an older age. It was all like younger before their time people. So like it was possible that, um, you know what I mean? And that wasn't meant to be disrespectful younger before their time people. Um, you know what I mean? But we're talking like people that were like 25, 30 years old, whatever, like, you know what I mean? Like had a lot. And then they go, Bleh. all right, changing subject. So I know there was a horrifying story. I heard about someone whose uh, mother passed. Um, in their bedroom, and the, the stories I heard of the noises that they were that they heard down the hall coming from coming from that bedroom um, was like like haunting. You know what I mean? Um, but you know, as far as doctors can tell, that this death rattle it isn't it doesn't hurt. You know what I mean? Which I think goes nothing they can tell. How they gonna tell? Um, uh, but they're not sure how much pain people actually feel as they die. Obviously, being burned alive or being shot are probably painful ways to go, obviously. But when you're dying of natural causes in a hospital bed or a home, it's hard to say. Your pain is usually being managed by healthcare professionals, and you'll likely lose consciousness in your final hours, so it's likely very minimal. Usually, when they know you're on your way out, the doctors and nurses try to make you as comfortable as possible, unless they don't like you. And then, tales from the hood. Um, <laughs> so for sure. Yeah. The death rattle thing, I like, I agree. I, we agree. I think it's more of an ex- exiting of the last breath. Um, cause you know, if you see like a death video, if you were to go look at some live leak videos, like a Mr. Buddy, Butterfuko would do and see someone get shot, you know, nowadays you can watch it on Instagram, you know, the news has people with all the craziness going on. You're seeing people die. Um, and, you know, when they go out there, it's like, ah, like that last, it's horrifying. Watching somebody die is terrifying. Terrifying stuff. Um, I wouldn't recommend. Uh, touches a person, too. You're never quite the same again, I feel, after you see someone pass on. Even when you get cool with the fact that the death, death is death, I think the, just being there for it. Like, I've often told people, you know, people go, I don't want to die alone. They do that whole deal. I prefer, I would like to, you know, like when I'm going out, I don't want my family to have to see, be, I don't know. It's weird. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to try. I wouldn't want to traumatize them by seeing my body do wild, you know, the last moments of my body trying to stay with it while, you know, the rest was leaving. I don't think anybody should really have to see that. It's to each his own, I guess. To each his own. You know what I mean? But I do want to be found immediately after I die so I don't blow it up like a fucking Halloween water balloon. No, thank you. Well, 
Uh, I've always said that, um, and this is going to sound weird to a lot of people. I would rather know that it's coming. Yeah. And use that time because I know my family would ra- rally around me. Mm. Use that time to put their mind at ease. Yeah. To make that, to make them more comfortable with it, to see that I was comfortable and to help them deal with it so that when I do pass, it is less trauma for them because they see the, they see in me, hopefully a peaceful passing. Yeah. And I could comfort them before I go. See, I'd want to comfort and I'd be, if it was, if it was one of those things where I just closed my eyes and I went to sleep and that was that, and they could hold hands and all that stuff. I'd be cool with that, but I wouldn't want them to be like, I wouldn't want people around if I was going to start shaking and convulsing and freak out and all that stuff that haunts people. You know what I mean? Like I just, I wouldn't want to definitely be there up until that point or whatever, but like, they, I'd rather them leave the room for that point. I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to fuck anybody up. It's bad enough. If, you're, you're losing somebody, you know, you love. If I had one last conscious thing I could do, uh, what I would like to be able to do is the last thing as I close my eyes for the final time is give a thumbs up and then pass with my thumb up. I think hey. that would be, that would be so cool. They'd be going thumbs up. Oh. I, that's what I try. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's a good way. Oh, to do it. It, it can't be that bad. Look, he's giving us a thumbs up and he's gone. That's actually the perfect way to do it. You know? Yeah. Then you leave them. You, you you leave them with a positive thing. You 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 let them know that it's not as scary as they've they've been trained to think it is their entire life, and that you know it might even free free them up. It might even make the rest of their living days more enjoyable knowing that. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, that's the whole purpose. Yeah, for sure. You're a good man, Ray. Um, so when your body finally lets go. Um, what little brain function you had left rapidly fades away. This means your brain can no longer keep your body in check. No more whipping you into check. Not that your body could keep, not that your brain could keep your body in check to begin with. You go, girl. So you might urinate. Well, not might, you do. Uh, interesting. Ready? You might urinate and defecate, which I always knew about. That's just on your bowels let go and nothing's holding. Muscles aren't holding things in anymore. But you might possibly even ejaculate, it says. But that's a rare thing. Uh, I know there's certain people like David Carradine that went out ejaculating, but that was a whole different story. Um, it's almost a weird vibe, but what do you, what's your take on the ejaculation thing and death? And that's not to be funny, a serious question. I don't know. I hadn't heard about that. I mean, I guess if, if the person lived their whole life a horny SOB, that might happen. <laughs> I guess it could be like heightened excitement of, of what you're going in, not the not knowing, like jumping off of a, a mountain, people that jump off of a mountain and shit, you know what I mean? They might have that type of a, but even though I don't think those people, when they hit the ground, after when they, when they cut their parachute off, I don't think they wiped the, the, the organism off their leg. I think it's more of like a, yeah, I don't know why there would be uh, ejaculate. Eh, weird things. Uh, now, that might sound, all might sound terribly uncomfortable and frightening, as it does. But your brain has a few tricks up its sleeve, they say. It, 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 it puts on a diaper that morning without you knowing. So your body goes, aha, uh-huh. very nice. Now, are you ready for what happens to your mind? 
you know, we're about to get wild here. Right when your body starts to flatline, your brain does its best to prepare your consciousness for the jump to the great beyond. In their final moments, uh, many people have out-of-body out, out experiences and a rendezvous with relatives in a peaceful place, a failing of greater connection with the universe, and, of course, see the classic bright light at the end of the tunnel. But what, what's really happening in your head? You know, that's the question. We've talked about this before where it could be anything from what it is, which is those, you know, you're seeing your loved ones from the other side visit you and such. There's other people, there's archons, where people think that there's these things called archons that come to visit you. And you, if you go into the light, you have to re, redo life. Weird, you know, weird stuff. There's also people, you know, I think the scientific thing of these people that they see is when they say um, it's, your, it's your memories kind of popping. Um, that, that's, what, that's what you're seeing. The, the brain stems or the brain cells popping and you're seeing visions of your family and fun times and such but we've talked about that kind of endlessly um but for one you probably wouldn't won't be afraid of what's happening to you in the mental state one study in the university of north carolina in chapel hill compared the mental states of terminally ill patients and inmates on death row with those of the people told to imagine that they were dying just a gloomy fail of no hope, I guess, is what that means. Uh, their findings suggest the closer you are to get you get to death, the more positive an outlook you have on it. Makes sense, I guess. Perhaps it's because you become more accepting of death, I'd say so, when it's less abstract and you have to face the reality of it. Or maybe it's because you're having peaceful dreams and visions. Um. Yeah, I think that if you, I think that once you, once you realize that that what's funny is everybody's going to die eventually, but once you realize that that date's coming a lot sooner than you think, and you can wrap around your your head around it and get right mentally, I think that yeah, death definitely shouldn't be as bad as people think it is before heading into that situation. What do you think? I agree. You you come to peace with it. I mean, you'll have denial, you'll have anger. There are stages you go through whenever you have a serious illness. Uh, let's say you have cancer, something of that sort. Yeah. And you, once you get to acceptance, then you look at it all differently. Um, once you accept it. My question as far as um, when they're talking about the brain throwing up memories and um, out-of-body experiences and the scientists are all attributing all of it to what's going on in the brain, the synapses going and all of this going on. My question is, what about those people? And there are some where they have been dead beyond that five or six minutes, beyond the brain being able to do that. When they, they those people, and there are some that have been, uh, were pro proclaimed dead, and it's like 10, 15 minutes later, or some even 20, is when they come back. What about them? Because the brain has stopped functioning. Hmm. It's yeah. not... It, it's not even throwing up those old memories anymore. There's nothing happening in there. And they come back. How do you disregard what they saw or what they experienced? Do they come like, are they come, do they come back normal? Or do they come back with like brain dead, so to speak? Strangely enough, there's a good number to come back normal and they shouldn't. I, I could understand that if they came back brain dead, I could understand that being the will to live holding on even after the brain shut down. Um, 
But yeah, coming back completely normal is crazy because I believe isn't it like if you isn't it like two or three minutes supposedly if you don't have oxygen in your brain for two or three minutes it's like forget about doing math ever again isn't it like something like that. Well, it's it's one of those things that science ignores a lot because they can't explain it. Yeah. You know, they may have called death at a certain time, and it may be uh, fifteen minutes later that the person uh, comes back. And they'll say, well, no, uh, we must have miscalled it when they, when they were dead. Or they're always coming up with excuses because it does not fit mm. uh, the profile they've established. But it does happen. It's almost like a deep hypnosis where, like, you're so deep under that you're almost dead, but you're not dead. You know. What do you uh, think of hypnosis? You subscribe to hypnosis? Well, I'm a certified, uh, board-certified hypnotherapist, yes. That's true, that's true. So, with that being said, do you think that you could get somebody so deep into that that they could you they could pass for almost being dead but still be alive? Like, a pul- no pulse, the whole deal? I would say that with modern technology, it would be hard to fool. Yeah. At one time, yes, but currently, I don't think it would work. Uh, to fool somebody, it is a deep relaxation, mm-hmm. and you get a you can get a slow to heartbeat, calm, peace, and but you don't uh, like I said with the technology they have now and how they can monitor you. I don't think that you would be able to fool somebody, no matter how deep a trance you went into. Because like, yeah, I mean, I feel like. That with 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 like that stuff, you could probably co- you could probably put somebody go as deep as a coma. I feel just taking down, close their mind, taking down the barriers, and taking down all the the worries until they just come become into such a relaxed state that they're just in their own world. You know what I mean? And you could probably slow down the, the blood, the you know the blood pumping and stuff to a very Barely staying alive, pump rate. You know what I mean. And you got to figure if you, if they're laying down, the blood just has to pump enough to kind of keep everything going and not move body parts. You know what I mean. I would have to say someone would uh, probably have gone through a lot of sessions, each one progressively deeper to get to a point like that. Yeah. Um, it's not something that's going to happen. To someone, and it's not like what you see that so-called hypnosis on a stage. Um, it's a it's a different uh, a whole different ball game. Yes, you can slow things down. You can calm the person down. Heartbeat and pulse will all slow down, but it's still something there you can measure. Yeah, uh, there was a study conducted at a hospice center in Buffalo, New York, uh, where researchers found that dying people have a lot more dream activity than normal. In fact, 88% of the study's participants claimed to have dreams or visions that felt more real than the normal dreams and that they often carried on into the waking state. Most people dreamed about reuniting with people they knew who had already died. Others said they dreamed about preparing to travel somewhere. And some re-witnessed meaningful experiences from their past. For many of these people, their dreams and visions comforted them and decreased their fear of death. What's your take on these dreams, these leading up dreams? Um, I, I can say partly it may be with the brain trying to comfort itself and deal with death. 
uh, when dealing in other areas of my life uh, and disciplines I've looked into, I think that there is also, you are starting to bridge over to the other side. Yeah. You are starting to, barriers are starting to come down and you are starting to connect so that if you are seeing loved ones, they may in fact be there to help you pass on. Um, I think that it's not totally just uh, a flash of memories. Uh, being a medium, I can, I can vouch for the fact that the brain is capable of much more, and that includes bridging into the spirit world, mm-hmm. than science says, uh, than science is willing to admit. So I would say, yeah, some of that is very real. Some of that is not imagination or just memories. I will also say that as far as the mind goes, if you go back to hypnosis, I'm also certified in past life regression. And I can remember someone and uh, the way I do it is to bring them back, to bring them down. And I tell them, okay, look at your feet. Look down where your feet are. What do you see? You know, describe, describe the ground. Now describe your shoes. And slowly have them look up at themselves and then start looking around. I'm very careful not to uh, not to uh, say anything to plant anything. So someone might look down and they say, I see shoes with a buckle on it. Oh, I'm standing in the grass. Oh, there's people around me with three-pointed hats. And, you know, some, some people say that's imagination. But I do remember one person, uh, oh, several people, one in particular that comes to mind, where they described something and they saw a grave. Mm-hmm. and they could read the name on the grave. And <clears throat> when they came back up, they used the internet and they did a search. And they found several people, but one, uh, several towns over, uh, not actually not very near where they lived. At the time they were living in Florida and they found the grave in Massachusetts but when they came on a visit, they actually went to the cemetery. They knew exactly where to go to, having never been there before. And they ended up standing in front of that exact grave with that name on it. They recognized it. Yeah. And that, per- that person had lived about 100 years ago. And all that came about afterwards. Now, in that deep trance state, <coughs> where the conscious mind is put at rest, and the rest of the mind is free, they somehow connected to a past life, to who they were. And that was a memory from them of being there, being there at that time. And uh, to this day, they say that, uh, yep, that's me. I saw it. That's where I was. Yeah. I believe any of the coming to comfort. It's, it's an interesting take, you know what I mean? Because, you know, I'm, I kind of believe in both. You know, I believe that, which probably can, like cross, you know, go against each other. I feel, but you know, I do believe that the family would come, the spiritual would come to catch you, come see you, and bring you to the new realm. And then, yeah, the the, the powers of the mind. Is, you think the mind, you know? And I know you believe in the. I know you're a strong believer in witness the family thing. I quit, and I do believe that the family thing coming is is, is realistic. I also think that there's the power of the mind i think in a state like that could create could bring something like that into 
um, to come knowing that that the only the only thing very few things come for people in life loved ones like you know parents grandparents or whatever brothers that are sisters that are no longer with or whatever those that that more comforting than anything you could ever ever imagine you know what i mean or maybe toys, maybe like a bike from a childhood, something they really liked as a kid. Maybe it doesn't even have to be, maybe it doesn't even have to be people. It could be just them riding their bike, you know, through the woods or something, because as a kid, that was their favorite thing they could, they ever did. It was no worries. They wish they could always, they wish they could be a kid again without worries and just, you know, cruise through the wind. Um, so maybe like they have that, that peacefulness to them, you know, but once you begin to clinically die, your brain kicks into overdrive with a surge of electricity and spike of activity in various regions throughout the brain. And it begins to release uh, neurochemicals that excite it far beyond normal. This is when, this might be where the ejaculate comes in. This is when all those bright white light experiences occur. One study published in a journal of near-death studies suggested that those who have had a near-death experience all tend to witness the same thing, though they vary depending on each person's cultural and religious beliefs. However, another more recent study published in Frontiers in Human Neuroscience suggests when, when these experiences occur, and in what order, varies from person to person. So you're likely to experience these things in no particular order. But these things are as goes. One, in no particular order, a hyper-aware mental state or very clear consciousness. This may be in a waking or dream state, which makes you wonder how could you be very clear in consciousness in a dream state. That dream would be very real. Next up. An out-of-body experience, usually in the form of you hovering above your own deathbed, possibly caused by your brain's uh, temporoparietal junction, or better known as TBJ, uh, being damaged from lack of oxygen. Now, Ray, you've had the, the over-body, the out-of-body, hovering above the body experience, right? Not death, but if you're talking about uh, through uh, trance, trance and, medita- and meditation and trance yeah. uh, being trained, yes. Yeah, I believe in that hovering above your body deal because, I mean, that's how close you are. That's how outside of your body you are. I do, And that can be, you know, I do believe you can do that. I do think that that would be something that would happen during death. And I do think you can get there through trance, like, you know, and meditation and stuff. I also think that if you take a look at, and like they, they're saying that it's that surge of activity in the brain, but you have documented cases where people had an out-of-body experience and someone walked into the room, did something and left. And they were able to relate it afterwards. Now, if the senses are shut down and this is after they are dead, how did they relate something that happened in that room that they couldn't see? Yeah, no, it's true. You know, more of, you know, another experience, of course, is the light flashing before your eyes. We just talked about that. Many people see significant moments in their life play back for them. 
um, you know, reunion with lost loved ones, sometimes even with ancestors you never met in life, or maybe visiting a strange world and meeting beings made of light. Lack of oxygen to the brain can cause hallucinations. So it looks like they're taking a scientific as well as spiritual route with this. Uh, also, an overwhelming sense of peace and rest, possibly triggered by a rush of endorphins. Uh, I had a weird scare years ago, uh, a diabetes thing where I went in and my blood sugar was so high, they said I should have been in a coma. And I remember the feeling of that was like a heavy sleep. And it was peaceful. It was surprisingly peaceful for how bad I was. Um, a bright white light at the end of a tunnel. I didn't see no bright light, but I don't think I got that deep. Um, but it was fuzzy and it was bright. Maybe it was a light. You know what I mean? Um, your visual system gets overly excited and looked with uh, and flooded with carbon dioxide, causing you to be much more sensitive to light. I've heard that before. Um, you also have other heightened senses for brief for a brief brief amount of time. Yeah, you know, as we know, when certain senses shut down, the other ones are made stronger. That's how it goes. And unfortunately, you may experience all of these things, or only a few of them. And there's no telling when or in what order they'll occur. But according to near-death survivors, these experiences make death feel okay and almost welcoming. By the time your mind has finished its farewell ceremony, you'll be ready to go. I like how they put it, a farewell ceremony, because that's kind of how it is. Uh, we may never know for certain what's beyond death, if anything at all, but you can at least rest easy knowing your brain will try to make it as comfortable as possible. Your brain's doing you a solid even up until the end. But, uh, yeah, you know, like whenever I've never been too close to death of dying, uh, maybe with the diabetes thing, and, um, you know, it did. There was like a warmth. There was like a... A, so, a soft light. It wasn't an overpowering light, but in the in the in the deepest part of the woods, if you will, there I did feel there was that fuzziness, um, and I assume that that's what I assume that's what a coma would be like. It would be a sleep, a fuzziness sleep, where you don't quite because there's. I remember times where I was watching people just go in and out of my room, but I don't know if I was actually with it. You know what I mean? Like, I remember that weird feeling of seeing nurses and even guests and like not really even understanding if that was real or something in my head. So that, that I guess that should tell you something, but you know, that's horrifying. And we're going to, do you want to say anything else? I think that was a good jump off point. And if anybody wants to, um, do a follow-up episode to this. I think the best uh, double feature is after you wrap up this episode, go to season one and follow up with when death consumes and uh, we'll take you to the next level, the next level of death here, the next stage. Uh, would you like to say anything in closing Ray on uh, what happens while you are pursuing death? Well, two quick things. One's an old study that was done by a, a doctor who was curious to see if there's any changes. And uh, they call it weighing the soul. What he did is that people were in their death state uh, dying is that he actually weighed them. And after they had died, he weighed them again. And everything being equal, they actually weighed lighter. And he, uh, he, he calls that difference the weight of the soul. 
And the other thing is, well, more recently, uh, there are some scientists and what we're talking here is quantum physics are saying that consciousness continues on and returns to the universe. So now that now they're starting to say there's something in there that goes beyond just the brain misfiring, your consciousness returning to the universe. So that opens a whole different door when you're talking quantum physics. It does, yeah. So it's kind of like, um, yes, the science is there, like most science, and it's always been a hobby of mine. Uh, there's a discipline that you more or less have to keep or that they try and force to keep. And it takes a preponderance of evidence to try and change their mind. And unfortunately, at times, once you get into the spiritual realm, they are too willing to deny it without investigating or investigating it or giving it even the chance that it might be true. So I'd say that, yes, there are physical changes, but don't discount the spirit, the soul, and continuing on into the spirit world. And that includes with your loved ones. Mm-hmm. It's true. You know what I mean. And if you are, if you are creeped out by this episode, sorry. You know, there's nothing much we can really do for you guys and girls out there. This is one of those things you all got to face eventually, and better to know a little bit more about it, facing it. Right? This is what this whole episode was about. Is the more you know, the more comfortable you'll be. We're trying to take away some of the fears of the passing experience for y'all. So it can be rejoice. It can be a, a going away ceremony, as they say. Um, and you're, 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 the, you're, you're closest to your body. It's only right that your body is the last one to say goodbye. You know what I mean? So with that being said, we'll catch all y'all folks on the next episode of Mostly Ghostly. Ghostly.